And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I have the honor of continuing in our series today. We have been in a series called Led by Fire. We're digging into the book of Exodus and learning from the life of Moses. And we're watching Moses as he is being set up spiritually for that moment that he himself will be led by fire. And here's the deal. None of us are automatically led by fire. None of us are automatically being formed into the image of Christ. We are all on a journey of being led by God. And so we get to watch Moses on this journey. And I feel like it's so important for us to take note of how he progresses on the journey. And we get to watch and see how God works in him and takes him on this journey of spiritual development, growing and understanding who God is and what God wants to do in his life. And we're here in the beginning of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 5 and 6 today. But spoiler alert, we'll later get to see Moses leading a nation of Israel as they're being led by fire. That's where we're headed. And so what we want as a community as we discuss Exodus is to be individually and corporately led by fire, led by the Spirit. And so I'm excited to continue this morning in our discussion. Uh, Last week, Pastor Ian taught a message titled, The Day of Disappointment. The day of disappointment. And that is where we still find Moses today. He is in a moment of great disappointment. He's in the middle of asking God, what in the world are you doing? What are you up to? And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes we have had that experience where we're wondering, God, where are you? What are you up to in my life? I think we all can relate. And I think it's easy to assume this morning that some of you might be in that place today, that you're asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing in my life? I'm disappointed. This isn't what I thought it would be. This isn't what Mother's Day this year I thought would look like. It looks different. And so we all have been through currently or will go through disappointment. And so we get to look at our disappointment through the lens of scripture this morning. And I've been there. I've been in those places of disappointment myself. Uh, Many times I've been faced with those moments where I'm like, God, I prayed, I fasted, I asked, I sought, and it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. We We have four babies in heaven, and I'm thinking about them today and remembering their life and those moments where I cried out for God to do a miracle and it didn't turn out the way that I wanted. And so we have all had those moments of disappointment. And maybe that's you today. And so we get to look at it through the lens of Christ. And I would suggest that oftentimes in the Christian life, things don't turn out like we expect. Oftentimes our expectation and our picture of the future is not always the same as God's picture or his expectation. And so in the midst of all of that, I think God wants to do something in us. I think he wants to shed a light into your disappointment. And it might not be until you walk even through the journey and you're on the other side that you'll get to see it through a different lens and see, wow, this is how God was moving. This is how God showed up. Oftentimes we 
get that picture on the other end. But here's a little quick recap for those of you who have not been with us in our study of Exodus. God has appeared to Moses, drew Moses out and commissioned him. Moses went and had this message of freedom to the Israelites. He's like, we're going to get free. And they were really excited. And then Moses went to Pharaoh to deliver that same message. He said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's response did not go well. He heard this message and he made matters much worse. He made it worse by increasing the cruelty and increasing the suffering in the lives of the Israelites. So now you have Moses and all the Israelites standing there and they're like, what is God up to? This is disappointing, Moses. Like we thought you were going to let us free and be a part of our freedom. And instead we are working harder and suffering more. And so what they're experiencing is, is increased suffering. And so that leads us up into where we are today, which is in Exodus 5, verse 22. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. It says, Moses returned to the Lord and said, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued you people at all. He's not happy. He's disappointed. He's upset. He's like, what in the world are you doing, Lord? I don't understand. My situation isn't what I thought it would be. He returned to God. I love that word returned. Moses returned to the Lord. Maybe you could underline that in your Bible. Moses went back to the Lord. And I think that's important for us because here Moses is being honest with God about his emotion. He's coming to God and saying, what is going on? He's fully venting and he's asking God what's happening. And Moses is walking by faith. This is what's encouraging to me. Moses is walking by faith, but his faith isn't strong yet. As you can kind of see the way that he's talking to God, his faith isn't as strong as we see it grow uh, towards the end of his life. And so he's not the leader that we know he will become. He still has much to learn about the God who is unwavering and keeping his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think it's important for us to see kind of the progression of faith in characters in the Bible. We celebrate and look at heroes in the faith, but I think it's important to remember that they didn't all just arrive there. There was a journey for them in their faith, and we get to see that up close with Moses, that there's a journey here. We want that overnight success. We want that quick faith. We want that like microwave faith, like put it in their microwave for 20 seconds and bam, you have like perfect full faith. And really what we're seeing with Moses is he has like a crock pot faith, like it's slow cooking. Come on, moms. We love that slow cooker. Put it in the morning and it's magic at night. Like, yes. Does anyone slow? They're not out, right? We're still cooking with those. The crock, the crock pot. That's the kind of faith he has. It's slowly, slowly forming. It's slow cooking. Moses is, is being formed into the image of Christ, and his faith is growing. And so what's so interesting here is that we get to see what he, how he responds in his disappointment. And he does the one thing that we should always do in moments when we're disappointed with God, and that is to talk to God and to come to him and to fully share our emotions, the ways that we're disappointed. I think if you want to move beyond your disappointment with God, 
you've got to tell God how you feel and understand that he's okay with that. And I think what's beautiful here is that you don't find God rebuking Moses. God's not defending himself. God is listening and God is going to work in Moses's life. But Moses is distracted with the situation. He's distracted by what he is experiencing that is different than what he thought. His expectations have not been met. He's asking why. And I think there's so many times for us when we are distracted by our current situations. When we see the chaos and the confusion and the things in our life not going the way that we thought, we are distracted. We are looking at the things in front of us. I know moms can relate in the room. We have a lot of things in our life that are vying for our attention. There are many distractions. Like I can think of many times this past week where all three, I have three children, all three are talking to me at the same time. I can, and I'm trying to have a conversation with my husband. I'm like, I can't. I can't process all of your requests. They want granola bars. They want snacks. One is probably hurt. One of them has emotional hurt. And one of them has physical hurt. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And we're accustomed to distractions. But I want to ask you this morning, are you focusing on the chaos of your circumstance? Or are you focusing on the character of your God? Are you focusing on the chaos of your circumstance? Or are you focusing on the character of your God? I want to focus today on how God responds to Moses in his disappointment. Because I believe that it's going to encourage us. The way that God responds to Moses is beautiful. And I think it's for us today. Because you may be in a moment of disappointment today. But if you're not, praise God. You will be, though, in the future, because that is life. That is life. You either have, currently are, or will. And so take notes. This is for all of us this morning. The beautiful way God responds to Moses in his disappointment is for us today. And so listen to God's response. Exodus 6, verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. This is the moment where God said, now you will see. Wait and watch what I will do. I think we've all been in those situations where you could see no way out. Like even with your best imagination, you can't see a way out. And that's Moses. He's like, what are you going to do? I cannot see beyond my circumstance. And God responds and says, watch what I will do. He says, watch what I will do. You might have thought your situation was the last word or that your disappointment is the end of the story. But God says, wait, watch what I will do. Now you will see what I will do. God always gets the last word. And so now we get to verses two through eight. And what's interesting here is that those verses are bracketed by a phrase that I'm going to show you. And this is still God talking to Moses in his response. And he says this. He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. It's repeated many times in this text in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 2. 
verse 7, verse 8, he repeats over and over to him, I am the Lord, which means I am the I am. God is reintroducing himself to Moses again. This is their second conversation in Exodus. And so remember when in Exodus chapter 3, Moses says to God, who shall I tell them sent me? What's your name? And the Lord said, I am. The word Lord Yahweh means I am. I am the I am. I am the present tense God. I am right there with you. He's not the I was. He is the I am. And so he is the God who is right there with you today in your circumstance. He is the present God, intimate, knowing the details of your life. He is the I am, the I am. And so this is profound for Moses because this is one of the first, he has heard this and he is hearing it again. And he is understanding in a greater way, a revelation of who God is, the I am, the I am. And so this is so important because what matters most in all of our situations is not who we are, but who he is. It's not what we can do, but what only he can do. And so God comes and says, I am the I am. And that is important for you today. God is all powerful, present, ever helping with you intimately knowing you in whatever you're facing, whatever disappointment you're facing or whatever thing you're celebrating, he's the I am and he is with you. The eternal promise keeping powerful God in the past, he says, I revealed myself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. In the Hebrew, that is El Shaddai, the God who can do absolutely anything. But now I'm coming to you and I'm revealing you to you myself as the God who is right there with you. The God who keeps his promises. The God who is faithful and true. The God who's intimate. I'm going to show you my mighty power in a way that is undeniable. And you can count on it because I am the I am. I am the one who keeps my word. I am the one who makes the promise and keep it. Moses, you can trust me. He's saying, I am the I am. I am trustworthy. I heard a story once uh, about this businessman who boarded a plane and he takes a middle seat between a middle-aged woman sitting at the window and a little girl who is sitting on the aisle. And so after the flight took off, he began uh, like this conversation with the little girl who appeared to be like the same age as his daughter. And he found it strange that such a young girl would be traveling alone, but he kept his thoughts to himself. And so about an hour into the flight, the plane was suddenly jolted by extreme turbulence. The pilot came over the system and told everyone to fasten their seatbelts that they had encountered rough weather. Several times over the next half hour, the plane made drastic dips and turns and shaking. Some people began crying, and many people, like the woman sitting by the window, were praying. And the businessman was sweating and clenching his seat as tightly as he could. But meanwhile, the little girl sat quietly in her seat with her hands resting calmly on her legs. Incredibly, she didn't seem worried at all. Suddenly, the turbulence ended, and the pilot came on to apologize for the bumpy ride and announced that they would be landing soon. And so as the plane began its descent, the man said to the little girl, 
you're just a little girl, but I have never met a braver person in all of my life. Tell me, how is it that you remained so calm when all of the adults were so afraid? And looking him in the eyes, she said, my father is the pilot and he's taking me home. She trusted her dad because she knew who was driving that plane. She had peace amidst the turbulence in the storm because she knew who her dad was. And that's for us today. Do you know who's driving the plane? Even when storms come and turbulence come and disappointments come, do you know who your father is? That he is the I am. The I am, the I am. The one who is faithful through it all. The one one who can control the storms, the one who can speak but a word and pause the storm. He is faithful and he is with Moses in this situation. And so God has kind of this heart to heart with him. He's like, here's who I am and I have not forgotten you. God wants Moses to see him for who he is currently and also what he will do. And so God continues in the text and it says, I will do this and I will do this and I will do this. He has this list of these I will statements. And we're going to look at those in just a moment. But here's what I want you to kind of think of relative to that. Moses has here almost crossed the line of complaining. He's like, I don't know why God called me. I don't know why I went in the first place. Like you said this, and I don't know why I did it. And I can't even, I can't even speak well. He's like, I didn't want to come in the first place. And things have only gotten worse. And I did what you said, and it's still not working out. And God's response to Moses is, I am the I am. I'm going to work on behalf of my people. And then he says, and I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. And all that to say that God can handle your frustration. Go to him in prayer and then listen for what he says. And I think don't be surprised when he answers you with a promise, with a word of encouragement and a promise to you about who he is. Here's why I say that is because there's some of you when you start to hear him speak a promise to you, if you're not careful, you won't believe him. You won't believe it. It's almost too good to be true. And I think that's true for some of us, especially those who have been through some major disappointment. And you hear a promise from God and you're like, it just sounds too good to be true. Is it really God speaking to me or is it wishful imagination? And I want to encourage you that if you're praying and you hear God speak you a promise, take him at his word. Believe that his word is true, that he is faithful to it, and that all of his promises are yes and amen. This text shows us how God responds to his people in disappointment, and that's us. It shows us that God wants to speak to us when we come to him and talk to him about how discouraged or disappointed we are, that he gets it. The writer of Hebrews says that we have a God who is in touch with the feelings of our infirmities, that he knows what it's like to be human, that he knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it is like to sorrow. Jesus himself experienced it fully. So there's empathy he brings life, he brings himself, he, and he brings his promises into our situation. And I think in the midst of our disappointments, what we often need more than anything else is a revelation of who God is and a promise from him of what he's going to do. 
we need to understand who it is that we serve, who it is that we're following, and also we need to hear him speak a promise to our hearts. And so that's what we're seeing happening here. God is reminding Moses who he is and what he will do. And so now we are going to hear how God gives the seven I will statements of Exodus chapter 6. Theologians call this the seven I wills. And it's very interesting, these seven different statements that God gives to Moses. And they're very encouraging, and I think they'll be encouraging for you today. So if you're taking notes, or maybe if you have a Bible, you can just underline those I will statements as we go. There's seven of them. There's seven promises. The first one is the I will of deliverance. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He's like, don't be disappointed, Moses. I am the I, may, I am. I'm going to snap that yoke. I'm going to bring you deliverance. I will bring you out from bondage. He's going to deliver his people. Then promise number two, I will of freedom. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Moses, you're going to go to, from being slaves to being soldiers, from entering into the promised land. He's going to free his people. He says, I will do it. Promise number three, the I will of power. He says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. He's like, Moses, you're not going to be the one who's going to have to make it happen. He says, I'm all powerful. I'm the one who with my mighty acts of judgment will make it happen. And you know, I see a lot of times when we think we're the ones who we think we're supposed to make it happen. Like when we don't see God moving, we're like, well, I'll just take matters into my own hands. I've got a plan. And most of us do. Most of us have a plan of how we could see a way out. But God's like, I will do it. I will redeem you with my mighty acts of judgment. He's going to take care of everything. Promise four, the I will of relationship. He says, I will take you as my own people. And I love that. I think, listen, God wants and desires a relationship with us. He wants an intimate relationship with you. He said, you, I will be your God. I will be, I will take you as my own people. I think if anyone here, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're missing out on the greatest relationship ever known to man. Because he comes in and he intimately knows you. And if you're disappointed somewhere and maybe you stop walking with the Lord because of your disappointment, or maybe you've never been in a relationship with him, all God wants is a relationship with you. He wants you to know him and to know his power and to enjoy his fellowship. And so he is the God that wants to take you as his own people, graft you into the family. And so he is intimate. Promise number five is the I will of friendship. He says, I will be your God. This is like, I'm going to be your friend. It's going to be, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to be close. God is close as opposed to all the other gods of evil. I'll be your God and I will show you my power. Promise number six is the I will of blessing. Verse eight, it says, I will bring you out to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is a land that they're imagining is incredible. It's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. It's a blessed place. And he's like, I'm going to bless you. I will bring you to that land. And then promise number seven, the I will of inheritance. 
He says, I will give it to you as a possession. He's the gift-giving God. He's generous with us. He's not holding back on us. He's wanting to bless us and, and give us good gifts. He's a good God with good gifts. Uh, we did kids ministry for a lot of years, and one of um, we like had this statement on the wall about the character of God, and I want to get it right. I think we said, God's in a good mood. Is that what we said? Yeah. Because a lot of times kids think that like God's in a bad mood. That he's like mad. But God's in a good mood and he wants to give you good gifts because he loves you and he's a good father. And so he says, I will give it to you as a possession. He wants to give it to them. And so it's the promises of God like these and many others throughout scripture. If you're like writing down these promises and it's speaking to you, I encourage you to do a study at all of the promises of God throughout scripture. There are so many promises that God has given and that he has kept. But it's these promises of God that fuel our faith. It's his promises of God that hold us steady in those moments of disappointment. And I think if you think back on your life and he gave you a promise that you haven't seen yet fulfilled, hold on to that promise. Keep trusting in that promise. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generation. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. I would encourage you, don't assign your own expectation to the promises. Don't assign your own imagination. I think our own imagination minimizes the true gravity of what God can do in fulfilling his promises. Don't put God in a box. Allow God to fulfill his promises in any way that he pleases. I think our own imagination doesn't do it justice. He always shows up, not always how we expect him to, but he always shows up. He always keeps in promise, his promises. He, he is the I am and he is the I will. And when God speaks the promises, here's what happens next. God speaks all these promises to Moses, and Moses is like, um, they didn't listen to me. He's like, Exodus 6, 9, he tells all this to the Israelites. They don't listen because they're discouraged. They've been working really way harder now because Moses talked to Pharaoh. Pharaoh made it worse. God talks to Moses. Moses goes to the Israelites. They're still discouraged. Then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to tell the Israelites to go. But Moses said to the Lord, if the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Because I speak with faltering lips. I think this is important for us because he hears the promises from God and he's still not all there. He's still like, why? Why would I go back and do this? Why would I go back? Their present reality is dictating what they see. They're having a hard time seeing past the discouragement. And so the Lord tells them, go again to Pharaoh. And even though in chapter three, God actually warned him that the, the Pharaoh wouldn't listen. It's amazing how Moses is still so discouraged after hearing God say directly to him, I am and I will. And maybe that's where you are in this moment. You've heard his promises. You know him to be good. But even still, you're like, is he that good? Can I trust him? 
Maybe you're like Moses and you're still discouraged. Here's the deal. We get to participate and choose to see God for who he is. We get to choose to believe. We get to choose to take him at his word. We get to choose to believe that when he said, I am and I will, that he is going to do what he says. He says, I will be who I will be. We get to choose to believe that he is faithful to his promises. We get to choose to see and trust God's mighty hand. We get to choose to take our eyes off of the reality in front of us and put it on our faithful, trustworthy God. We get to choose to take our eyes off of the obstacle and say, amidst all all of this, I'm going to see Yahweh, the I am, and trust him that he's the great I am. And I firmly believe that in every place there is a purpose. In every season, God has a purpose. And so we get to choose, no matter what place you are in, to believe God is doing something, that he is working on our behalf, that there's purpose in this place. No matter what it is that you're facing today, maybe you feel like you are in a desert season, that you are in the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to choose to believe in this place that God has purpose for you, that he is the I am and the I will, that he has not forgotten you. Moses has felt he is feeling forgotten. He is feeling like, God, how are you going to show up? What are you going to do? I heard you. I am and I will. Yes, but my situation isn't, I'm not seeing it. And you might feel that way in the valley. God, where are you? What are you up to? How are you going to get me through? Even my greatest imagination isn't seeing past my situation. But God is saying, I am and I will. I am and I will. I am and I will. Do you believe that this morning? He is the I am and I will. He is faithful to his word. He has kept every promise. He has stuck with Moses through his disappointment. Joshua 21, 45 says, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Everyone. We get the pleasure of seeing this text after the fact. We, we have the hindsight vision to know God actually kept his I will statements to Moses. We get to see the end from the beginning that God was faithful through generations, that God did deliver them out, and that God kept every word that he spoke. And so you have the choice today to choose to trust in God, to choose to take him at his word, to choose to say, I don't see what you're doing, but I trust that you are the I am and the I will. We get to choose. And if you're in here this morning and you have never made a choice to follow Jesus with your life and say, God, I'm going to choose to take you at your word. I'm going to choose this morning to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the son of of God, and he came all this way for me. To die on a cross, to die a death, I could not. To pay for my sin so that I can have relationship with God. Maybe that's the choice you need to make here this morning. To choose and say yes to Jesus, to choose and say, I'm gonna turn from my old life. I'm gonna repent, which just means to turn away. And I'm going to choose to live for Jesus. 
if that's you in the room and you're like, I want to say yes to Jesus, will you just pray with me right now? We're going to pray a prayer. If that's you, just pray along with me. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you paid the price for my sin. I turn right now and I repent of all of my ways. And God, I choose to believe that you are who you said you were, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through you. And so today, I choose to follow you, King Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.